The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. I'm Claire Mazur. And I'm Erica Cerullo. This show is brought to you by Of A Kind. Find out more and sign up for our newsletter at ofakind.com. Great work. Um, something I want to talk about right off the top. Mm-hmm. We're having a holiday sale. Oh my gosh. On our post-holiday sale on ofakind.com. Um, 30% off so many things, like a, a crazy number of things. Um, and the code is year out. And it Year out. Yeah, you're out. I heard it is you're out. You're out. You're out. Um, Get out of here. Year out. Year like out. This, we're out of this year. It's major, terrible. Major deals to be had. We only do this big sale twice a year. Yep. Fourth of July and post holiday. Yep. Mark your calendars. So we just revealed the secret sauce. Ah. <laughs> um, it's happening till January 3rd. So get in there. Um, hey, the other thing I want to talk about yeah. is grapefruits. Um, and we actually have a special cameo for this grapefruits mm-hmm. topic. Guest appearance. Guest appearance yeah. by Liz Sheldon, our editor slash producer. Because you and Liz both have thoughts about grapefruits. I've yeah. heard some of them. You have not heard all of each other's. I haven't, yeah. Yeah, you're holding you're holding all the information. Yeah. So basically you're really obsessed with grapefruits right now. I just I've had a rediscovery period with grapefruits. How Somebody, and why? Um, because when I ran the marathon, a ton of people stayed at my house and uh some somebody brought grapefruits and left them there, and so I, you had an abundance. I discovered them you had like a lot a of ice later. cream and a lot of grapefruits. That's right. You brought a lot of ice cream. Yeah. Somebody else, my friend Tanya, who is always on some new like eating specific kick, was definitely into grapefruits. Left yeah. them all okay. there, and then I rediscovered them like a week later, and I just had this moment where I was like, "This is a magnificent fruit. Um, it's the right season for it." And when I was a kid, I would always have to put honey or sugar and yeah. eat it with that specific spoon. Yeah. Like, I remember when I moved out of my parents' house, one of the first things I realized I needed to get was a specific grapefruit spoon. Okay, so this is actually where Liz comes in. I don't do that anymore. I have anymore. a lot of feelings about that. Tell me. First of all, I think that a grapefruit spoon is a fundamentally flawed object. I agree with that. Because I totally agree with that. You can't eat off a serrated spoon. That's a weird <laughs> thing to do. That's true. You're not going to put a serrated thing in your mouth. So I'm, like, firmly team grapefruit knife. Okay. Grapefruit knife. Grapefruit knife. Is yes. that the like kind of bent pairing yes. knife? And okay. I'm glad that you mentioned that because <laughs> someone gifted me a grapefruit knife because they know how I feel about this. And wow. they got me like a non-bendy 
grapefruit knife. Interesting. Which also, who wants that? It has to be serrated and tapered and bendy. Yeah. And the bend is to hook it. To yes. Like, yeah, to get the underneath. To otherwise, yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't even know we were going to... I'm so excited about this. So here's what I've been doing. Yeah. Slicing them up into um, the half wedges. So, you know, it's like it's not the full boat. It's the boat cut in half. So quarters. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. But, you know, I like I like them pretty thin. So it's not technically a quarter. I go. Wait. It's it's like it's the boat. Yeah. It, oh, you're right. From like stem to stem. Yeah. OK. But then I cut the boat in half. So it's a triangle. I see what you mean. So you're just taking slices, smiley face slices. Yes. And smiley face cutting the smiley face slices cut the smi- in half. Okay. But then what I do is I cut a little chunk of the skin and the pith off at where the, the corner of the smile. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> the tip sure. of the boat. Yeah. Um, so that I can take a, a full bite without having to navigate with my mouth that big chunk of skin. Um, it doesn't require any special utensils. That's like soccer mom orange slice style. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. If, yeah. It, that's it, the styling. Yeah. I'll buy it. Yeah. Um, sure. Thanks for giving me a term for it. <laughs> um, I've just been, and then I stand and I eat it over the sink. I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've, how, and you're eating it as a half. And are you yes. putting anything on it? I do the half in the bowl. I do a little honey. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, this was also yeah. like, I feel like it's a thing your parents ate. Yeah. Like half totally. a grapefruit with honey. Yeah. So I, yeah, I do a little bit of honey. Um, I don't know. It's like very simple. And then I, I drink, I the drink juice out. grapefruit juice. I I'm like really into grapefruit juice. I really juice. like a grapefruit oh, well, juice. I love yeah. a grapefruit yeah. margarita, like a spicy grapefruit mm. margarita. Grand Electric I makes one that is yeah. so good. The the when, I, when we were talking about grapefruit, I was like, well, I don't have a lot of feelings about this except the juice. Um, and the, the place where I always think the juice is so good is at Lafayette in New York, mm, where it's mm-hmm. like a $12 juice. Mm. It's $12, <laughs> worth every penny. Um, it's blood orange, grapefruit, and yuzu, and it's called Hyper C, and it just makes you feel like you're taking care of yourself and you're not going to get sick, which I feel like you need right now. That is a really good juice. Where yeah. were we going? Was it Two Hands where I was always getting the grapefruit and granola? Jack's wife, Frida. Oh, has a yeah. grapefruit and granola and yogurt. Yeah, you'd get that as your so second. Breakfast. That's always my second breakfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like cubed grapefruit no. or like slices of grapefruit. I like think a parfait? it's yeah. I think it's slices of grapefruit. The skin's not in there. Um, so it's yogurt, granola, and then chunks of grapefruit without the pith. Um, it's really good. Also, oh my gosh, Balud Sud has it's oh, Daniel Balud's Mediterranean restaurant in the Upper West Side near Lincoln Center. The most phenomenal grapefruit dessert. I don't Everybody even know who's how to ever had it. this. It's like fill. It's like a sorbet. It's like a grapefruit shell filled with sorbet, kind of like. But with, it's like a meringue sorbet. Yeah. It's like fluffy. Um, it's it's like, not like because filling like a filling like a, a citrus. Yeah, like filling citrus with a sorbet is a thing. But this mm-hmm. is like the, the fancier version of that. Oh my god, it's phenomenal! I would go to that restaurant just for that dessert. I think I've done that. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. I would also like to call out yeah. um, Prune has the grapefruit with the wheat checks crumble. Oh, yeah. Do you know about that? And no. it's really easy to make. It's four ingredients. Yeah. All, all of them tell us. It's wheat checks, brown sugar, butter, and then the fourth ingredient is a grapefruit. And you like make a little like streusel and then you sprinkle it on top of half a grapefruit and broil it. It's like a Whoa, fancy. That I love thing. a broiled grapefruit. Really good. So yeah, grapefruits, underrated. Look at all the content we just made about grapefruits. I know. Who knew we had so much to say about grapefruits? Wow, wow, wow. I have a lot to say. Hey, I do have a question, and maybe you know the answer to this as a fellow grapefruit enthusiast. How do you know which ones to pick at the supermarket? Mm. This, I don't, this is a challenge. Yeah, I I haven't figured it out. I feel like soft is a good sign. Mm -hmm. Because juiciness. Yeah. I also feel like there's, 
Like ruby red is important to me. I don't want a pale grapefruit. So it's uh, always yeah. a bummer. Yeah. I mean, and is there a difference? Is is there a distinction between pink grapefruit and red grapefruit? I know there's white grapefruit. I don't know. And why is there white grapefruit? Does anybody want white grapefruit? No. I like white grapefruit sometimes. <gasps> really? They always, I, I don't know that I've ever bought one, but when you go to the farmer's market in LA, the Brentwood farmer's market in the winter, sure. they have all the, the tasting color. of the yeah, citrus. And I get yeah. into mm-hmm. the white one there, but I do think the pink well, is... Well, that is, you can get into anything there because it's also <laughs> delicious. It all, everything yeah. there tastes, even persimmons taste good there and I don't yeah. really like persimmons. Yeah. <laughs> um, wait, we were, we were at the airport yesterday and they had persimmons. We were at the airport yesterday, and they had dragon fruit <laughs> and like finger oranges. Is that In what DC? those things are called? Um, no, no, it wasn't at Laguardia. La- at the new terminal of Laguardia. It's so weird. Are those called finger oranges? Finger limes? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know what this was. It was something I'd never seen before, and I was like, "Am I seeing a piece of produce for the first time at Laguardia?" Yeah, and the answer was yes. Did it look like a finger not, lime? Avocado yeah. is not the only place to go for discovery. No, it was Laguardia crazy. Too. They did though have um, winter gourds categorized under stone fruit, so it was very confusing. <laughs> that seems right. For I me bought yeah. bumpy. They're like, yeah, <laughs> stone fruit. Get that over seems there. more in line with what yeah, Laguardia. That's would what do I expected. Is yeah, no, that's more what I expected. I just, I I would, you know, I'm sure I could Google this, but if anybody has tips for picking out a grapefruit, because I will say the bummer is that sometimes you get the most spectacular, sweet grapefruit and it is, it is a wonderful experience. And then sometimes it's just a bummer. You get a tart one and yeah. it's bitter and bitter. It's, yeah, that's, bitter. That's it's bitter. bitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, still love them. Hey, thanks for talking about this. Yeah. Liz. Thank really you so much for having it. me. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Of course. Really Great valuable contributions to the, to the grapefruit discourse. Thank you. Yeah. So the other thing we wanted to talk about just as pressingly um, is we, this is like our sort of like between holidays episode. Um, we were taking a break, kind of like a half break. It's yeah. like a it's like a mini we're doing. Moon. It's like the mini moon version of a podcast that's right. Break. We're doing two for the price of one, basically. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because our podcast comes out on Mondays and Monday this year is Christmas and New Year's. And so we decided no one wanted to do that with their Christmas or their New Year's. So this episode is airing right in the middle. Um, And something we want to talk about end of year is charity and charitable giving um, and how we think about those things and the questions we have about them and all of that. Well, because I do feel like I'm already, my my chest has already started tightening and bracing for the end of year um, rush to do all the financial things and tax yeah. things. Um, yeah, totally. And I mean, it is, people do give at the end of the year. Um, it is in general. Comes, yeah, in yeah. general. Um, and uh, they have, there's this wonderful thing, Giving Tuesday now, which already happened. Yeah, um, that's behind us. Yeah, that is behind us. But in general, people try to make their end of year allocations and all of the nonprofits make a big push to get their their final fundraising efforts in totally um the thing related to like end of year giving and deductions and all of that stuff Mm -hmm. if you're doing it for tax purposes um something that i feel like a lot of people don't know is that it only applies to your tax deductions if you're not taking the standard deduction Mm -hmm. um which is like pretty high for yeah. most people or yeah. most people end up like something like 80 percent of people take the standard deduction right. or something mm-hmm. so you should just be giving for other reasons most totally yeah um, or it's just like isn't going to serve you that purpose yeah, yeah. ask your accountant because it yeah there's all sorts of factors that play into it and, oh 100 percent yeah. yeah um well you yeah it's like if you're not taking the standard deduction then there are all sorts of other deductions you might be right taking, exactly and then this would apply yeah, exactly yeah um yeah so this i i i give throughout the year 
Um, but I don't. What's your system? How do you go about this? I do not. Ha- I, do, I like that you think I might have a system. That's very. You I it was worth asking. when you when you wrote up your system on here. I was like, oh, wow, okay, um, this is a whole system. I I really don't have a system. I have you know we have our. Um, Chris and I have our causes that we care about and we don't for, I, we've never been, I guess, in whatever bracket that that giving was going to help out. And that's never been sort of the reason well, we've given course. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so we have always just um, had, I think, sort of our own individual and shared causes. Um, I, we both volunteer for this organization called I Mentor that we feel pretty passionate about. That is a um, it's a program in New York, D.C. and San Francisco. They may be in other places now, too. I think they're, they might be opening in Chicago. And they go into schools where they um, a certain percentage of the students are living beneath the poverty line. And therefore, most of the students are, go- are, are going to be first-generation college students. And what iMentor does is they pair people like me and other sort of working professionals up with a student for either three or four years and you uh, interact with them online once a week, you interact with them in person once a month, and your entire relationship is really meant to be one of mentorship, but specifically geared towards college preparedness and this idea of teaching things like growth mindset and resumes and these things that become really fundamental to the idea of applying and then going to college that if many generations in your family have already been to college might seem like a given and might seem like something you um, are just automatically taught by your parents. But if your parents don't go to college, that might not be getting to you. Um, I have found it a very satisfying and wonderful program to um, to be a part of and to volunteer with. And so it's also something that we give to. And then, you know, we have, I, I think a lot of our other charity um, contributions are around things that we have a personal relationship, whether it's like, um, you know, something we've worked for or been a part of in the past and have that familiarity where, um, you know, we have sort of a sense of how they're using the funds. Or um, I really like to give to uh, charity efforts that friends are involved with. Um, So like every year, I know that on Mother's Day, Tova um, does a uh, charity in for Sharsheret in remembrance of her mother. It's an organization that supports women suffering from breast cancer and their families. Um, and I, so every year I just know that this is coming up and I know that that's something I plan. To so that's to. a little planning. See, yeah, yeah, that's th- there's that. a system. And I have a couple of things like that. I mean, obviously, on, on a selfish level, there's also something really nice about being able to support your friends at the same time. Yeah, that you're oh, supporting yeah, the, yeah. the organization. And I like to be doing that. And something that we both noted that is in the last two to two ish years, so much reactive giving around yeah, yeah, issues yeah, yeah, yeah. that, you know, yeah. whether it's national disa- natural disasters or um, sort of political causes that we feel passionate about. Um, it just feels like there's a lot of spontaneous, like, I need to support this right totally. now. Well, what I do is I keep this Google draft um, or this Google email draft, which could be very much a note or something else at this point. But um, this is where it's lived for a while. This is where it's this is where it remains mm-hmm. um, of the like or the causes that I give to monthly and I do something monthly and I set up a savings goal Mm -hmm. um, in my checking account so that it just automatically pulls this money Um, and I think it's nice for me to see that that that's like happening every day Mm -hmm. we used to we used to both do this thing called dollar a day that was this awesome thing you would sign up and they would choose the charity and you would know that for like basically Mm -hmm. you paid $30 a month and it was distributed across 30 different um, charitable organizations. I, I loved, loved that. I loved it because, well, one, you know, they were doing the work for you and vetting yeah. charities, which obviously there's a lot of other organizations that do that. And United Way is a really wonderful one yeah. that will sort of vet and help 
sort of help manage the process of giving yeah. to charity. But Dollar a Day did that and ended up being a discovery mechanism, but also ended up being something that you you were talking about. You wrote the term down here, collective philanthropy. Yeah. Um, and giving circles. And it was this I, the concept of it was that, you know, if they got enough people involved, one dollar from each person could make a huge impact um, yeah. on these yeah, charities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I loved that concept about it. Um, it was very easy to wrap your head around and you could imagine it um, really making a difference. Well, so I think I went back. So I think I kind of started this process after Dollar a Day went away because mm -hmm. I did like that idea of discovery. I did like that idea of like learning about different organizations mm -hmm. and being sort of um, exposed to them. Yeah. Um, and so I have a running list in this document of organizations that I encounter in various places or whatever. It's like a backlog of places mm -hmm. I might want to give to at some point. I give every month. It's usually like, you know, a similar amount, but it ranges and it depends yeah. on if a friend is doing a fundraiser for something or right. if there is something more reactive where you're like, mm -hmm. oh, should I have to give money to the ACLU right now? Right. Um, and um, then I have this log. And the thing that happens when you start giving, you know, to places and I'm not giving to the same place every year even, mm -hmm. I mean, some of these places I'm repeating, is that you are on their mailing list then. And right. you do start getting updates from them and you do start to get a better understanding of the organizations. Um, and I feel like there are things that I've just learned so much more about mm -hmm. through this process, like Equal Justice Initiative, yeah. which um, I'm obsessed with at this point. Um, they sent this amazing calendar last year um, that talked about for each day on the calendar, it's like depressing as shit, mm -hmm. for each day on the calendar, um, there was a historical um, moment of inequality mm -hmm. um, that they called out. Um, and it was just a really powerful thing um, that I would not have been exposed to if I hadn't given to this organization. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it just makes you feel, I think, much more invested um, in that way. Um, How do you like to hear from the charities that you have a relationship with? That's like interesting. I think more physical mail, honestly, which mm -hmm. is weird to say. Like, I'm, yeah. like, surprised by that. Mm -hmm. I feel like all the email just gets, you know, it just, like, comes into your inbox in the way that every single newsletter does. Yep. And I feel like charities don't send as many mm -hmm. newsletters as like, an e-com company or yeah. something. So it just gets way more buried. I mean, I think meaningful mail yep. um, really makes a difference. Agreed. Versus just, like, you know, the standard simple envelope that's just, like, hey, make yep. a donation. If you're going to send me something that's educational, I'm probably going to open it and read it. Yep. Um, yep. Which I've been kind of surprised by. Um, so Equal Justice Init Initiative is something that I feel pretty strongly about. Um, I'm trying to think of the other places. So the other places they've given to this year God's Love We Deliver, mm -hmm. um, which delivers food um, to people in New York mm -hmm. who um, can't leave their houses because of um, because of terminal illnesses um, and don't have that support. Um, the Alley Forney Center, um, Everytown, you know, um, so many, so many places. And I something else you and I talked about is that, yeah, it's just like this year it feels very hard to for me to plan. Like in the past, I feel like I was like, OK, I want to give these are the things mm -hmm. I care about. I care about children and making sure that all children mm -hmm. are supported and how like how what organizations are doing that right this year it just feels so much harder to think about those things yeah. and to plan in that way um but the one thing that i have done every year for the last eight years um thomas and i just realized is around the holidays doing something um this program called stockings with care mm -hmm. um which i'm obsessed with um so basically it's in new york but i think other programs like this exist elsewhere for sure um, you sign up to sponsor um, a kid or multiple kids. Um, and this organization um, gets a list of kids um, from social workers who they know need support and who might not be getting holiday presents and who might not be getting winter coats and all of those things. And they get lists from the social workers of things on those kids' wish lists. 
Um, so you are then assigned those kids and you're told basically to buy like anything from this list that you possibly can. Um, you're supposed to commit to, I think, two of three wish list items. And then also, you know, if you can, hats and gloves and coats and all of those things, because big surprise, seven-year-olds are not asking for coats. <laughs> um, and it's just a really fulfilling experience to know that you're getting somebody what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's it's I, it's such a smart way way to execute on this sort of initiative. It makes so much sense to me. And and for the person involved, I I recognize through you that fulfillment of realizing you you have a relationship with this person. Totally, in you a feel way like you know this kid in like some way. Yeah, and like I you know, it's also weirdly this is a very fun experience because I don't shop for that many kids. Like I you know I have nieces and nephews, but they tend to be younger. And we get different age kids through mm-hmm. stockings with care every year, right? We might yeah. get a sixteen year old or a three year old or a nine year old or whatever. I like don't know what Ben 10 is. Right. Like it's some cartoon. But like now right. I do because right. this five year old kid is obsessed with yep. Ben 10. So now I know which Ben 10 action figures like you get yep. and whatever this whole process. And it's just like kind of fun and educational in that way. There's and, a per- there's a really personal element. It, right, it kind of in a weird way reminds me of like the idea of like adopting a manatee or whatever. You adopt, totally. you know, you adopt these things and you yeah. and you get pictures. Well, you adopted a chicken, a chicken for example, um, from and Farm you- Sanctuary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. you know the chicken. Whittle was his name. Yeah. Um, you seem have forgotten that it's odd. I, I'm concerned you're talking about him in the past tense. Is there something about Whittle that you haven't told me? No, I just oh, okay. no, absolutely okay. not. Whittle is great. Happened to him. Hey, okay. Whittle is great. Okay. Um, so the FM was stockings mm-hmm. with care. The awesome thing is that you wrap up the presents, you label them like with all with post-it notes, mm-hmm. and then the parents pick them up and they know what's inside all the boxes right. and they get to give them to the kids however they want to, um, which I just think is really empowering too. It's, it's, um, it's really beautiful and touching. It's I, I yeah. like, yeah, I really love doing this thing. And it's like all things to my mom really that I think Thomas and I do this when I was growing up um, for one of the nights of Hanukkah. So we celebrated both Christmas mm-hmm. and Hanukkah. For Lucky. one of the nights of Hanukkah, um, we would go to a toy store and buy presents for less fortunate kids. That's how it was like, that's mm-hmm. how this was presented. And and so instead of getting a present, yeah. my parents took us to a toy store during the holidays and made <laughs> us pick out presents for other children. You can imagine the fucking treachery that yeah. this is for a parent to like do this because kids like because kids are terrible at this. Like I'm mm-hmm. sure we were just like definitely crying for Barbie dolls right. and being like, but what? what about me? Yeah. yeah. Like just being no, it's a really good lesson to teach kids. Brats. Um, but we did this every year and it became very much part of our holiday traditions and I think it was just like such a like wonderful thing mm-hmm. to instill at that age that like actually this isn't all about you. I mean, right. we got plenty of shit. It's not like we didn't, but mm-hmm. this like this experience is not all about you. Um yeah. yeah. I, I just that. yeah. Um one thing that I have been wondering a lot about this year and I haven't really done I, I haven't seen any reports on this, but how much sort of these non um urgent feeling organizations are, are suffering. suffering. I know we talked about um, this too. Yeah. yeah. So I have always, I've always been uh, sort of plugged into the arts education nonprofit yeah. world from having interned and worked in it um, in a previous life and started to think about, you know, their fundraising efforts and what those had looked like when I was there and in times that felt less um, 
tumultuous. Um, yeah, totally. And was like, I have to imagine that these organizations are suffering right now. So I have bookmarked in my head one organization that I've given to in the past and have kept in touch with because I get good mailings from them called Rock to the Future, um, which is a Philadelphia-based uh, organization that gives free music lessons to kids and advocates to keep arts in schools. Um, because these are the things that start to really suffer, especially in time in tumultuous times when it's like, well, they're, you know, the, the most important thing is X, Y, Z, and then you lose these things that seem less critical but are actually no, really I, I important totally, piece of the 100%. pie. I feel like this is something I've really been struggling mm-hmm. with and I just gave to an organization called Salad Bars for Schools mm-hmm. um, which is about getting fresh produce into the mouths of all children yep. and in, in this country at least. Um, and you know it's hard. I feel like I gave to a lot more like kid and food and like health mm-hmm. um, and food desert oriented causes yep. before but it feels very hard right now when you're like they're just there's feel like there's so many things that are so much more urgent. Yeah. But then at the same time, like what That's is more so urgent than feeding feeding children totally. and like making sure children are healthy? It's like so hard. Absolutely. I it's it is useful to to sit and think about like how do these things play into the bigger picture of a healthy society, yeah. a healthy economy, and all of that. And you and 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 when you really sit down and realize it, it's not that big of a leap to be like, oh, it is actually just as urgent. Yeah, it is yeah. just as urgent as the ACLU and everything else. So good time to remember those organizations too, and to think about your personal passions and how those can play into your giving. Um, I do think in 2018, I want to explore more this idea of giving circles um, mm-hmm. and collective giving, which apparently there's this really good Fast Company article. Um, but it's basically about that b- people joining forces, especially women, it turns mm-hmm. out, um, to give larger donations to organizations that they know are going to make a difference. Um, and it turns out that when people feel connected in this yeah. way, they give a lot more money and yeah. just are a lot more invested. Um, so I feel like that is an interesting thing to explore and maybe but, like, you know, find groups of people that you can like give with yeah. um, so that it does feel more meaningful. In the that power way. of the collective. It reminds me of, I'm going to have to dig up the, the name of this, but I know there was an effort right after the elections um, by just a single woman who would identify political candidates um, mm. on like small civic city local yeah, town yeah, levels yeah. and who, say to whom funding would make a huge exactly yeah, and, say, totally. and so she had this email list basically that she'd collected in each I don't know she would with some time segment I don't know some mo- yeah, a month yeah, or whatever yeah. we're all going to give to this candidate right yeah, now totally. to vet the candidates and say we're going to help this candidate get yeah. elected um, and I think there's something really cool about that. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, the other thing that I think is important to think about um, is the way that you are giving. You can be giving through um, your purchases. Yeah, um, which is something that obviously is on a lot of people's minds in general, and the idea of uh, purchasing your things. consumer dollar. Yeah, your power. consumer yeah. dollar, and it's not just. Um, it's you know, there's there's like sort of two ways to think about that, both of which are really important. One that you can be purchasing something that doesn't have any charity angle, right? But if you have a sense of how it's made and and where it's made, you know that by purchasing that thing... And what the people behind the company believe in. Exactly. And, yeah, all that. Exactly. It's it's important to to know that you are supporting and giving in, in that way, um, which is something we obviously think a lot about and, and why we like to tell the stories about all of the products that we sell. Um, and then we also work with a lot of designers and makers who do just have a straight up charity angle to their products um, that are really wonderful. Um, the sort of most recent one that we got really excited about because we got to help choose the charity totally was our Lingua Franca sweater that says professional enthusiast. Um, Lingua Franca 
has sort of built into their business model a, a large charity component. Um, so we partnered with an organization that you had discovered um, yeah, called Her, Her Justice. Justice. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, they help provide free legal support for women um, who are struggling in New York with various things. Many of them have dealt with domestic violence mm-hmm. and such. Um, another one that we really love is this doll company called Doomye. Um, oh God, these dolls! Is it so? It, this is beautiful. Such, it's such a crazy story. So she, the founder lives in Dubai now, but she had to flee Lebanon um, when she was a child and had to leave her doll behind. Um, Who in, she was in obsessed with. Yeah. Um, so she now makes these incredibly beautiful dolls that I, you just have to go on the website and see. They're they're beautiful. They're fashionable. Um, I love them. Yeah. They're works of art, and for each one purchased, they gift one to a child in need. Um, she's also hosting doll making workshops for refugees children on the lebanon syria border it's just I, yeah i get chills it's really incredible um we just wrote a story on the site about mercado mercado global um which is actually a nonprofit, and we sell their bags mm-hmm. um and they work with women in guatemala and provide micro loans and training and education and all sorts of services to support these women's uh, lives in a bigger way um and then public supply which is a b corp um, which is like a corporations with a do good focus mm-hmm. um and they donate um, 25% of sales, I think, um, to art supplies for public school classrooms. And they host classroom workshops and like all of these sort of things. They uh, do bags and notebooks and that that scene. Slow Factory is another one. We have a beautiful scarf um, on our site from them. Proceeds from each fair trade collection supports a partner NGO in environmental or human rights sector. So they support the World Wildlife Fund, the ACLU, and ANERA, an organization that supports refugees in the Middle East. Um, the founder of the, or the designer behind Slow Factory is really interesting person who really um, goes about this stuff in a really amazing way. And then we have a lot of com- lines on the site that are really focused on employing women, yes. um, especially overseas, providing fair wages, mm-hmm. um, giving them opportunities to become financially independent. Yep. Um, Della is a great example of that. A peace treaty is a great example of that. Um, and I think, you know, being able to know that these designers are on the ground and have a real sense of what the conditions are like and how people are living their lives is really awesome. It's something um, that I think is just in general become such a bigger piece of consumer consciousness in the United 100%. States, which yeah. is really, um, I think, important. And, and I'm glad that, it, that it's changing. I think, you know, there used to be a sense of like, oh, I can't spend a lot of money on this thing because it will make me, you know, I, I should be doing something else more important with that money. I should be giving it away or whatever. And I, realizing that actually, you know, if you're buying really cheap things, it's you're you can be doing just as much damage. Oh, um, totally. By, yeah. by yeah, supporting, yeah, yeah. you know, unfair labor yeah. practices and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I think that it's nice to to know that you're doing good with your purchases too. A hundred percent. Um, anyway, this feels like, I don't know, the tone of somber. This, yeah, it feels more somber than usual. I, it's not somber. Giving's not somber. It's Charity's not, not somber, somber at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, there's just so much terrible shit happening, and I feel like that's the somber part. Truly, but we talked about some really heartwarming things. Oh, my God, we did. You know? Totally. Some totally. heartwarming Totally. Things. And 2018 is going to be better, don't you think? <sighs> Maybe. I sure hope so. Yeah. I think it, I think, um, yeah, I will. I think um, that it is going, I think there's going to be there, different. I think there's silver linings to, to the, the shit show that 2017 has been. I think people feel more engaged. Totally. Um, and I think we're seeing real change in a lot of ways. And um, people are thinking more about this type of, you know, yeah. how they can make an impact and how they can make a change. So yeah, I feel I like think, they're more empowered to do so maybe. Exactly. Um, anyway, 
you've been listening to a special midweek <laughs> a somber. special totally we managed to make doing good totally depressing <laughs> a special somber yeah. midweek episode yeah. of a few things last of the year yeah. To advertise on our podcast, email us at advertising at ofakind.com. If you have ideas, hit us up at a few things at ofakind.com. Our intro music, that's Butterfield East. It's written and performed by the Soulful Saints. Our audio editing is done by Liz Smith. We record at Showbra's studio. And if you um, want to hear about any more of this stuff, hit up our archives. Um, nice, nice winter break activity. We've got great archives. We've got the best archives. Oh my Everybody gosh. says so. Yeah, totally. That's the show. So many of you guys write in and ask about our theme song. It is called Butterfield East, and it is composed and performed by the Soulful Saints. You can check them out over at DallaRecords.com. That was a HeadGum Podcast.